Happy Friday. It is time for the MLB Strategy Show right here at AwesomeMode.com. Of course, I am Jason. That is Greg. Man, Greg, how are you doing this Friday morning, man? Not too bad. Um, we got football finally started. I know it's going to be a big weekend for you, too. And then uh, still baseball slate, but a weird start time for baseball, which I was saying before, like, I didn't even realize until I was reserving my lineup for before we started. It's like a 8 o'clock start for, like, no reason really whatsoever. Baseball is just like, hey, game start an hour later on Friday. Yeah, when I started the uh, prep last night for the early bird podcast, I'm like, hold on, hold on. I'm like, I, I first, because I first went to the MLB app, like, hey, let me write down the games, starting pitchers, things along those lines. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is the main slate in? And I go, go to DraftKings, go to, go to uh, FanDuel, go to Yahoo. I'm like, yeah, we've got an 805 main slate East Coast time. You know, it's, uh, yeah, so uh, MLB live for Lockerbie today at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So you got to check out that uh right here on awesome.com of course we are sponsored by yahoo uh you know let's talk about uh, what happened last night in in a major league baseball uh some of the notable notable items i put out there a mookie Betts starting at second base and the mlb article on this one said that this was kind of like a side deal during his negotiations for his extension with the dodgers yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting, especially from a fantasy standpoint, because if he ends up getting second base slash outfield eligibility on DraftKings, like that's that's totally different. That gives Mookie Betts way more flexibility, and it gives Dodgers stacks a lot more flexibility. And already they're a team with a decent amount of flexibility because Cody Bellinger is first base and outfield eligible. Uh, Max Muncy is, I think, first and third base eligible. And they have a lot of guys who move around and play multiple positions. So now we're, we're going to have a situation going forward where it looks like we're going to have Dodgers stacks and they're already a team that's projected to have like one of the highest run totals of every single slate. And now it's going to be a thing where it's like you could play most Dodgers guys in like any position you want and it's going to make it even easier to stack them as long as there's value pitchers on a slate. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously in season-long fantasy leagues, typically 10, to 10 games is typically what, what it takes to get second-base eligibility. I mean, look, the odds of Mookie Betts getting 10 games over the next week and a half is unlikely, but definitely something you got to monitor there with uh, with Mookie Betts and the Dodgers. Some other uh, things from last night, uh, Bray Singer had a no-hitter in the eighth inning, the, the Royals prospect. Uh, great performance to him, had eight strikeouts in that game. Frey Freeman hit two home runs. And uh, Dylan Bundy, man, if you had him last night, 12 Ks and seven and a third. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny because Bundy um, has been really good this year. Other than like three starts ago, he pitched against the Mariners and just kind of sucked. And his velocity was way down in that start. He had like an 88 uh, average velocity on his fastball. And I'm starting to think like, oh, is something wrong with Dylan Bundy? Is he going to start to regress a little bit? And then, uh, no, that's not the case. He's been terrific ever since then. So just one outlier start. And those kind of weird things happen sometimes. Like we had Chris Paddock last night sprained an ankle and his vast, his fastball velocity dipped from like 94 to 90 miles per hour. And then he came out after two innings, but at least it was only an ankle injury. It's not anything arm related. Yeah. The, uh, you know, just kind of looking at some of the various things. So last night, Drew Smiley comes in as the second pitcher, those four innings, it's eight strikeouts. Uh, that was something as I was kind of going through the box scores that stuck out to me too. Yeah, we haven't had very many of those good kind of long reliever type performances. There was a lot of them the last couple of years, uh, especially with the Rays, where there'd be, you know, an opener come in and pitch one inning. And then you have somebody like Ryan Yarbrough or something like that, who'd be, you know, a viable DFS play, who'd be close to min price, would pitch like four or five innings. And we'd be trying to guess a lot of times who that long reliever is going to be. We haven't really had many of those situations so far this year. But yeah, there was one with Drew Smiley last night. 
I have a feeling we're going to touch on that when we're talking about the Rangers game later on today with Jordan Lyles expected to be pitcher number two in that game. He's only available on DraftKings, but I know that's something we'll definitely talk about uh, as we go on here with the MLB Strategy Show. Of course, if you do have any questions, comments, be sure to hit those up right there in the YouTube chat or in the premium Slack channel. If you do it in Slack, just uh, mention me so I make sure that I do see it. But we did we did mention Main Slate does start at 8.05 Eastern. Really, uh, we've got a bunch of uh, several doubleheader games um, in terms of this slate today. Uh, the, the Orioles and the Yankees are playing two games. The Phillies and the Marlins are also playing two games. We have two games in the 6 p.m. Eastern time hour. No games in the 7 o'clock Eastern time hour. That's really weird to uh, see. But, uh, yes, main slate, nine-game slate here, 8.05. Going to kick off with the Pirates and the Royals. Stephen Baralt going for the Pirates. And uh, Chris Bubik going for the War- Royals. And uh, Bubik was a guy that uh, myself and Adam talked a lot about last night on the Early Bird podcast of just looking at his salary in terms of this one, particularly on DraftKings at 6600 as an SP2 option. Yeah, I mean, he's okay. I mean, he's not my favorite SP2 option because actually somebody who we liked, I think it was last week when we did this show together, is we have Yusei Kikuchi, who's also a viable option at a really cheap price. So certainly prefer him. 6600 for Bubek against the Pirates. It's an easy matchup, and the the price, like you said, is decent. And because there's a course field game, we're going to need salary savings at pitcher somewhere. Uh, so I, I don't mind him. Not necessarily a high-priority play for me. He hasn't pitched particularly well this year. Hasn't been awful either. But for the salary, I just kind of look at it. It's kind of like whatever. It makes sense, but not necessarily somebody I'm enthusiastic about playing. But he probably gets forced in my lineups a little bit just because of the outlook of the slate. So we've got a pair of lefties starting this matchup. So let's look at some right-handed bats in terms of let's start off with, uh, I guess we'll start with the Royals because I, I don't think anyone's ever you know pretty much targeting the virus very often at all. But uh, let's talk about those Royals right-handed bats. Uh, what do you, what do you like there? Uh, well, one thing though, just pointing on the pirates is if you do want to go, you know, really contrarian with a, a cheap stack, the pirates are really inexpensive and they do have a 9% chance of being the highest value stack in our projections. So if there is a lineup you want to make where it's like, hey, I want to pay up for two pitchers. I want to go for Shane Bieber and Lucas Giolito and just do it in a way that nobody else is going to do it. I, I think the Pirates do make a little bit of sense there. Um, if we look at some of the right-handed bats from the Royals, Hunter Dozier, I think 3,800 makes some sense. Uh, if Ryan McBroom is in the starting lineup, he's min price. He's only 2000 so that's going to be a good one-off salary-saving type play. He's the guy who stands out the most to me on the on the roster. Uh, you know, obviously the, the Pirates bats, we mentioned about they're never really uh, – you, you kind of mentioned there about, hey, you want to go contrarian. I mean, look, there's, there's not going to be people targeting the Pirates bats, but is, is there something in that lineup that, that does intrigue you? Uh, I would say Stallings a catcher at 3000 if I had to pick one guy that I'm most interested in. Just because he's cheap, he's that catcher. He's actually a, a reasonable hitter for a catcher. And just It's a position that's so difficult to get fantasy production out of anyway that I just generally tend to look for cheaper starting pitcher, uh, cheaper catchers, just because it's a good it's a good position to save salary at. Chances are you're not going to get production out of your catcher anyway, so you might as well go with a cheap one. You know, one of the just look kind of looking at the ownership that we have on this game in terms of the hitting uh, inside of this. Uh, look at uh, you know everyone's under twenty percent ownership. Uh, Hunter Dozier is is someone that's uh, a little over ten percent ownership, and that's someone that uh, you know Adam had 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 thrown out there about a, a bat to, on the Royal side. 
Yeah, I don't mind Hunter Dozier. Uh, he has power upside, which is pretty rare to find in the Royals lineup. The the three guys that have kind of, well, actually, there's four guys that have like a medium amount of upside, and that's Whit Merrifield because he's actually the one player in the lineup that's a good hitter. Hunter Dozier has a little bit of power upside, as does Mikel Franco. And if you go down the lineup, there's Alberto Mondesi, who's been a massive disappointment for fantasy this year. He was a guy who's taken, you know, at the top of yearly league drafts this year. And uh, just because mostly because of his speed upside, right? He gets on base and he was an overwhelming favorite to lead the league in stolen bases this year at sports books. Uh, but the issue is he can't steal base if you don't get on base. And that's kind of where Alberto Mondesi is at this year is he just never gets on base. He doesn't make a lot of contact, doesn't draw walks. And that just makes it really difficult to steal base if you're never on base. But he still has that upside where he's not going to have a, a zero on base percentage for the year. And when he does get on base, he's typically running. So we, we see it maybe once a week or so where Mondesi is upside just because he gets on base once he steals a base or two and, and scores a run. And then it's like, hey, Alberto Mondesi had a good fantasy game at 1% ownership or whatever he ends up being. So I think that he's not a terrible one-off either. But I, I do agree with uh, what you said that Adam said about uh, Hunter Dozier is he is probably the one player with the the most legitimate upside on the offense. The good old Billy Hamilton rule. Can't steal yeah. base, you don't get on. And, well, you know, we, we know the struggle. Like, it was like the other day I saw, what was that, the Cubs signed him? I want to say it was. He's been on a few teams. He's. Uh, yeah. It's funny, too, because there's times I'm watching a baseball game, especially the last couple of years, where it's all of a sudden like Billy Hamilton comes in to pinch run. It's like, oh, this is where B Billy Hamilton is now. Because <laughs> that's really what he is at this point in his career is he's just a pinch runner. I mean, there was a point in time where he was like a top 20 or so prospect just because of the idea where it's like he's going to be good on defense. And it's like if he ever figures out how to get on base, he's just going to steal a million bags. And he just never learned to get on base. And it seems like Montessi could be following in those footsteps. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got the A's and the Rangers. Mike Fryer's going for the Athletics. Uh, Luis Garcia and the opener role going for the Rangers is expected. Jordan Lyles will go in after him. Mike Fryer's over on Yahoo is $34. Of course, this show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, which they now include CSV upload and CSV edit features when you're looking to play those multiple lines make better choices choose yahoo daily fantasy of course you got to go over there and check out some of those contests that they have for tonight's matchups uh mike fires at 34 dollars. garcia i mean you can't really play him at 25 dollars. but uh I, I think the interesting part of this was will people how will jordan lyles's ownership look like on DraftKings at 6400 yeah, I don't really think people are going to roster him for a couple of reasons. Number one, there's always still that little bit of a crapshoot type thing where even though somebody's expected to come into the game as a long reliever, it's never really a guarantee, right? There, I mean, there's been times like earlier we mentioned the Rays situation with like Ryan Yarbrough. There was times last year where Yarbrough was like 20% owned because he was expected to be the long reliever in a favorable situation, and then he just didn't enter the game. So I think we look at today, 6400 even though the price tag is cheap, I mean, there's Yusuke Kikuchi who's cheaper, and is a better pitcher and is better chance at upside. So I don't really like Lyles all that much. It's also a tough matchup because the Oakland A's have a really good offense. Um, as for Mike Fires as a pitcher, even in a plus matchup against the Rangers, I can't consider Mike Fires. Uh, the 7,200 isn't all that cheap of price tag. We consider that he gives up a lot of runs and doesn't strike anybody out. Uh, 5.36 strikeouts per nine innings for Fires so far this year. And then a 4.93 ERA to go along with a 5.3 FIP. So Fires... Not only is he not good, he's not good from a fantasy perspective either. So none of the pitchers here do I have a lot of interest in. In terms of the bats in this game, let's start on the Rangers side. And the, the simple question, I probably ask this question every time, outside of Joey Gallo, what do you like? 
Yeah, I like I like Tavares has been leading off for the Rangers and he's still super cheap. He hasn't he hasn't really been priced up yet, even though he's taken over the leadoff role. He's only twenty three hundred on DraftKings. There was a slate, what was it, two days ago now where he batted leadoff. He was twenty one hundred and he scored like twenty fantasy points. He stole like three bases. He had an extra base hit. So to me, it looks like he is a potential fantasy friendly game. But then more than anything, he's leading off in a favorable matchup and he's almost min price. So you look at a slate where there's some high-end pitchers we want to roster. There's a Coors Field game. We need to find value somewhere. And just when you have somebody in a prime lineup spot that's only 2,300, it, it's pretty it's it's pretty easy to justify putting them into lineups. Yeah, I just decided just to kind of pull up some of the the Fanduel uh, numbers on, on this one. You know, Matt Olson, 3,300. Um, Yeah, I have, it, I have it up right here. Gallo, 3,400. So Tavares is a little more expensive on Fandle. He's 2,900. Mm-hmm. But somebody else at the top of the order that makes more sense on Fandle than they do on DraftKings is Rugnet Odor, who's probably going to be batting second for the Rangers against a righty. He's only 2,400 on Fandle. So if you're looking for a plug-in for cheap, that's where I would roster Odor. Uh, Tavares is more of a DraftKings-specific play just because of the big difference in prices. Yeah. 2,300 on DraftKings versus 2,900 on Fandle. Uh, that's also something, just something else that signifies that there's a pretty good amount of value on Tavares and his DraftKings price. Anything else from the, the hitting side you want to touch on this one before we move on? Uh, no, not really. Just some of those one-offs from the Rangers. Um, I don't, I don't have, I don't have interest in the Oakland offense. Really, they're fairly expensive, and th- there's just other high-end offenses that we're going to want to target tonight. Obviously, the best pitching matchup of the night is the Indians and the Twins. Shane Bieber uh, on the hill for the Indians. We all know what he's done here, and and Maeda going for the Twins as well. Um, obviously, both high price options here on DK. Uh, Bieber eleven thousand, uh, Maeda two thousand ten thousand two hundred, and then ninety five hundred for him on Fanduel, and then eleven thousand six hundred on Fanduel. Sixty one dollars for Shane Bieber on on Yahoo. I mean, look, what what more can you say about what he has been able to do here this year? I mean, six out of nine starts, he's had at least ten strikeouts. Um, he's been an absolute stud. Uh, on all platforms this year i think the question with this one is more about of you know how do you how do you build your lineup with a a shane bieber at eleven thousand if you want to go that way yeah so i mean the other thing we have to talk about too there's a 50 percent chance of rain in minnesota tonight so that adds a whole nother wrinkle to the slate where i mean if bieber's in there you want to get exposure to him but then it's also an opportunity cost situation where it's do you like the cores game more or do you like the expensive pitchers more I generally lead towards the expensive pitchers, but I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do tonight just because we have that chance of rain in there, 50%. We've seen, you know, what I feel like is more games get canceled for rain than usual this year. So that's always something I'm a little wary of. And I don't know, it, it just changes the outlook of the slate so much. It's a thing where, like, we have to see later in the day what the weather situation looks like. Because if there is enough rain there that I'm going to want to fade, that's going to mean I get a lot more expo- exposure to the course field game. Uh, it just it, the the weather situation here is such a massive. It, it just is such a big, uh, you know, just sway on where we're gonna want to roster our our pitchers and whatnot. Because like you said, it's impossible to get away from Bieber if he's starting and there's no risk. Because even in a tough matchup, he scores like 35 fantasy points every every start, no matter how good the offense is, because he strikes everybody out. Yeah. Uh, by the way, should note that today's free premium content. Content at awesomeo.com is the MLB top pitchers where you want to look and say, look at, you know, Bieber, Giolito, Maeda, Castillo, all the, some of those top options. 
there. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, you mentioned about the weather concern, but uh, you know, we talked about the the pitching here. Uh, Maeda, I think the only concern would be is how many pitches does he throw? Can he get above ninety? I mean, are, are we are we kind of limited in potentially what he could score based on on how long he can go? So the issue I have with Maeda is just the other options on the slate. He's ten thousand two hundred on DraftKings, and if we look at the other high end pitchers. I prefer, I prefer Bieber. I prefer Giolito. So just because of those guys, Maeda comes in a distant third amongst the high-end options. So assuming that there was no weather concern in the Twins-Indians game, I would have some exposure to Maeda, except not as much as I would have to those other two uh, top-end guys. Uh, you know, in terms of the hitting uh, on this one, let's start with the Indians side of things. What's uh, What sticks out to you? Nothing. I think it's pretty easy to just avoid the offense in this game. Pretty big slate. We've got, uh, you know, what is it, nine games to choose from. So just considering that we have two, you know, really good starting pitchers, I think it's easy enough to just avoid the offenses and look elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, when you look at our top stack tool, um, I mean, neither one of these teams are up there in terms of ownership shares. Uh, no, nor are they up there in terms of chances to put up a, a big performance tonight. <laughs> we have the, let's see. Uh, Twins, 1% chance to be the top stack, and uh, the Indians, uh, 2% chance. And both of them projected for literally almost 0% ownership as a stack. It's like 0.1 and 0.2%. Uh, people will be going elsewhere. I will say this. If you play 150 lineups and you make one Indian stack and one Twin stack, you're like 10x the field on ownership on them based on what it's projected for right now. Yeah, that's something to, uh, you know, unless they go like do an Atlanta Braves and throw up a 29 run spot on you. <laughs> and if you don't have those bats in your lineup, you're pretty much screwed. Dude, that was, that was a really funny slate because I was really high on the Rangers that night. That was actually, that was the Tavares night also. Where any other slate, that would have been a great stack because the Rangers, almost all the players like Min Price, they scored seven runs that night and they were still nowhere near the top of the slate because the Braves scored a million runs. So there was a really funny like dichotomy. If you looked at the breakdown of, of just the scores overall for the slate, because the Braves were fairly low owned that night. So it was just like the very small percentage of lineups scored like 280 fantasy points. And then there was like a next tier of lineups. It was like 180 fantasy points. Whereas like those lineups did well, except they were like a hundred points out of first place. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't have uh, Adam Duvall, I think he scored 88 points on Fandle. A lot. Time. It was a lot. He scored because yeah. uh, he had three homers and like nine RBIs. Yeah, I think I want to say in the big the big GPP on Fanduel, it was like three seventy. I want to say. Yeah, it was it was the highest scoring slate that I yeah. could ever remember. That and there was also a bunch of pitchers that did really well that night. Yeah, that was just I just remember I I didn't have any Braves. I looked at it, said, well, no reason to even look at it. So <laughs> <laughs> no reason to look up yeah, there. That's, that's one of the ones you just start looking to tomorrow's slate ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. Eh, we just move on. Um, but moving on, we got uh, the Tigers and the White Sox. Uh, obviously, when you talk about uh, top pitching um, you know, on this slate and maybe if you kind of want to go away from, from the Indians and, and Twins game, this has probably got to be a spot you look at with Lucas here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, not only has he pitched really well uh, over the last handful of starts, he got off to a, a kind of rough start this season where some of his old issues with control started to pop back up. But He's got it back together, especially ever since he pitched that no-hitter. Uh, the Tigers also present a really easy matchup. Uh, let's see, against right-handed pitching, 86 WRC+. Plus. Tigers have a 28.3% strikeout rate, so the highest strikeout rate against right-handed pitching of any team in baseball. 
to just put that together with, you know, a bona fide ace and Lucas Giolito on the mound. And the question with Giolito is not really, do you want to roster him or not? Because I think that's a pretty easy yes. The question is, how much of him do you want to roster? And how does he stack up to Kenta Maeda and Shane Bieber? And to me, right now, I have Giolito one, just because of the weather concerns with the other game. If the weather is not a concern, I go Bieber one, Giolito two, and Maeda three. But right now, just because there's some uncertainty with, with the rain and what's going to happen in the Twins-Indians game, I have I have Giolito as the guy who I'm probably going to have the most exposure to as of as of this morning. Well, you're not the only one who's, who's looking at that because just look at ownership projections. Uh, he is by far the highest owned uh, pitcher on, on tonight's slate. Yeah, Bieber isn't that far behind him, though. I mean, we've got 55% projected ownership for Giolito and 48% for Bieber. So both of them are going to be pretty popular. It's hard to get away from him. It does feel like it's a situation where you're picking one or the other. Uh, and and right now I'm going to lean towards Giolito, and, and that'll change if the weather clears up. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, that, that's something to uh, to look at. In terms of uh, on, the other, uh, you know, on the Detroit bats, um, kind of break it down for us. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have interest in the Detroit bats, and I've actually been on the Tigers a decent amount over the last couple weeks or so because there's been a lot of slates that have been really cheap. It's funny because – They've hit reasonably well as of late, especially against left-handed pitching. So what's happened now is their prices for this slate are the most expensive they've been, I think, all season. And for a matchup against Giolito, which is one of the toughest matchups they've had all year. So, I mean, they've had these really easy matchups lately. Like, they, they went up against Rich Hill on Sunday, and everybody was, like, 2,800 and below. And now they're going up against Giolito, and, and Scope is 4,200. Uh, Miguel Cabrera's gotten up to, well, he's still pretty cheap at 3,200, but Victor Reyes, 3,900 now. So these guys are all like 500 to $800 more expensive for a much more difficult matchup. So it's pretty easy to avoid them going up against Giolito. Now, of course, if you'll go check out the content we have over at awesomeo.com, Terry's got his uh, stacks article and home run article already up there. And uh, he mentions about a White Sox stack of a one, nine, one, two, three, four. Yeah, I mean, Casey Ma is one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. Uh, doesn't look ready yet for the for the major leagues. The stuff is still decent, but it's it's just not leading to results as of yet. So it looks like he's somebody who's we're going to want to target against. Uh, the, the White Sox have a pretty high implied run total on the slate. The one question I have here, though, is, is just the price tags here on the White Sox. They're so high, and yeah. if I'm going for an expensive offense, I'd rather just go to Coors Field. Uh, and then also if you're rostering them, it's hard to roster some of the expensive pitchers because I mean, these guys have comparable prices to the course field players. We got Tim Anderson's 5,700, Moncada 53, Grandal 53, Abreu 55, Eloy Jimenez 51. Like there's, there just aren't cheap bats here. The only guys who are priced below 4,800 in the entire lineup are Nomar Mazar at 3,300. And then we've got Madrigal 3,200 hitting nine. And it's hard to really be thrilled about either of their upside. If I had to roster one of those cheap guys, it would be Mazar at 3,300. I don't think he makes for an awful one-off. But overall, I just look at the White Sox offense. And even though it's a good spot for them, uh, I think there's just other places I prefer to go because of those price tags. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a price tag. But I guess on the other side of the equation would be is if you're, I mean, we're all expecting that, you know, the game of Coors is going to be highly owned on both sides of the equation in that one. So if you're looking for, you know, to go against the ownership 
and you can fit it in. But, I mean, you bring up a great point of if you like these top-end pitchers and you're trying to roster them, rostering them with a White Sox stack is pretty difficult. Yeah, a lot of it's just about opportunity cost. Um, and I generally tend towards rostering the more expensive pitchers. But like we said, that's a little bit in flux right now because two of the best pitchers on the slate are in a game that could end up being rained out. So that's going to you know, it's going to make a big difference in who I'm looking to roster tonight. Uh, as for the White Sox and being a potential leverage stack, I mean, there is reason to look at our ownership and our uh, top stack tool and think that there is a little bit of reason to like them at least more than the field. The White Sox have a 5% chance to be the top scoring team on the slate and only 2% projected ownership. So I think at only 2% projected ownership, I mean, it's not that hard to just, you make a couple of twin stacks and it's like, hey, I have more than the field just because they're projected to have such low ownership. Uh, per dollar, though, I still prefer the course field game. Next up, we got the Cubs and the Brewers. John Lester on the hill for the Cubbies. Brandon Woodruff on the mound for the Brewers. Um, look, I, I said this on the earlier Bird podcast. I don't, I can never really see myself rostering John Lester in DFS. Um, you know, and, and I think Adams, I think Adams' line was he's press, he's draft, he's priced on DraftKings like it's 2009. He's pitching for the Red Sox. Yeah, well, I mean, he's. He's priced just for name value, right? I mean, yeah. people still look at the John Lester name, and we see that sometimes too, where there's a hitter that's had I can't even think of who this would be off the top of my head right now, but we've seen it all the time where there's a hitter who's struggling. But it's like, oh, well, this guy hit 40 home runs in 2013, therefore he remains expensive on DraftKings. And that's the that's the treatment that John Lester's getting. I mean, Lester is a 5.80 ERA, a 5.61 fifth this year. He doesn't get strikeouts anymore. The velocity is way down. His velocity is at, um, where is it? Yeah, 89 miles per hour is his average fastball velocity. Uh, first year of his career that he's been below 90 in terms of average fastball velocity. It's, it's been a steady decline. 2015, he was at uh, 92 miles per hour. That was kind of when it first started the decline. And he's gone down by, you know, a few tenths of a mile per hour every year since then. And we're finally at a part where, at a point in his career where it just looks like it's not usable for him anymore. Like he just can't, he can't get hitters out with his fastball. And it's, it's becoming such a big issue in, in the past. It's kind of hard to know what was going on with Lester because he's somebody who I've targeted a decent amount against the last couple of years. And he's kind of just found success regardless of his stuff declining. And the peripheral numbers always suggest that he was a much worse starting pitcher than how he was actually performing. But it's hard to know was was he just getting lucky for the last couple of years or was there something that he was doing that was kind of allowing him to outperform his peripherals. But either way, it's, it's all coming apart now. And the benefit we have here is not only is Lester really expensive, the Brewers are really inexpensive because of that. So outside of Keston Hira and Christian Yelich, who are each 5,300, everybody else is below 4,000. And I think the Brewers make for a really good value stack on this slate. Yeah, I was going to, obviously, I was going to bring up the t two top ends for the Brewers bats. I mean, uh, obviously, we'll have to see what the lineup looks like, but is there a, you know, maybe is it someone like a, a, you know, an Abisal Garcia, who's typically in that sixth spot, that's going to be kind of maybe a, a core component of a stack? Yeah, I like Garcia a lot at 2,700. Uh, Ryan Bryant's always tough because he's in and out of the lineup so much. And then even when he's in the lineup, it seems like 40% of the time he gets hurt in warmups, then ends up getting pulled out of the lineup. Uh, but he's 3,500. He makes sense. Uh, Jed Jerko, who has multi-positional eligibility, he's 3,900. Uh, there's there's a lot of cheap bats here that I think stand out and, and make sense for a stack. And um, 
I have more interest in Hiera than in Yelich at the 5,300 price tag. Yelich has struggled a little bit this year, and uh, I, I still think that he's viable, but it's just starting to become a little difficult for me to justify paying such an expensive price tag for him. I think I'd rather go with five other brewers and then plug in one of the expensive bats from the Coors game with the brewer stack than just roster mm-hmm. Yelich. How about the uh, Cubs bats? Uh, so I kind of like Brandon Woodruff in general, so that's going to have me off of the Cubs. They're also a team that's relatively expensive. Um, if I had to pick one one-off hitter, it would be Kyle Schwarber just for the home run upside. He's somebody who could go deep against pretty much anybody. But or else, almost everybody in the Cubs lineup actually is like 4,600. We've got Bryant, Baez, Contreras, and Rizzo, all 4,600. Hap's 4,600. Oh, no, Rizzo's actually 4,900. But either way, for whatever reason, DraftKings just looked at the Cubs lineup. They're like, hey, 4,600 everybody today. So I think just the matchup against Brandon Woodruff's a little bit too difficult for me to want to roster the Cubs offense today. Of course, if you do have any questions on these games, be sure to hit those up right there in the YouTube chat. Uh, David, uh, awesome that uh, we were helping you uh, yesterday take down a slate there uh, in a throwdown contest. Uh, appreciate uh and of course, uh, you know, look, be sure to hit that thumbs up button here. And if you're not subscribed to the channel, be sure to hit that subscribe button because we got a ton of content today. Got several NFL shows. We've got NBA Live for Lock. Uh, MLB live before lock. So be sure to check out all the program we have over here today. Of course, if you do want to sign up for a awesome plus MLB weekly pass, you can do that right now by going to awesome.com slash join and sign up for a weekly pass for 1595. That'll get you access to our ownership projections, player projections, the all new top pitchers tool. And you can see up on the screen right now, Jordan putting up some of the testimonials, of people who've been able to take advantage of these tools and how it's worked for them. So uh, give it a shot today. Sign up for that weekly pass for $15.95. All you got to do is go to awesomeo.com slash join to sign up for an MLB weekly pass. Next up, we've got the Reds and the Cardinals. Adam Wainwright on the hill for the Cardinals. Luis Castillo on the mound for the Reds. Uh, Before we get into the pitching matchup in terms of this, Garrett had asked this question. He says, why are the Cardinals bats so expensive on DraftKings? Yeah, it is pretty weird. Um, Luis Castillo has been super inconsistent this year. I mean, if you just look at his last handful of starts, 16 DraftKings points, 9 DraftKings points, 24, 13, 24. Uh, So I I don't actually believe in, hey, it means he's due for a bad start or anything like that. It just means he's been inconsistent this year. He he could be good. He he could be kind of crap, right? Maybe sometimes good. Maybe sometimes not. That's kind of what Luis Castillo has been this year. At 9,800 on DraftKings, uh, there's other high-end pitchers that I prefer on this slate, so I don't really want to roster him. But by the same merit, he's been good enough to where I don't really want to roster the Cardinals' bats either. And then as for the price tags, uh, yeah, they're ridiculously expensive. Cole Wong, 4,900. Edmund, 52. Goldschmidt, 56. Brad Miller, 5,000. I don't know why they're so expensive. Um, Maybe there was a starting pitcher change that I don't remember. Like maybe Luis Castillo was not originally expected to start when the pricing came out. But yeah, I, I agree. The 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 pricing really makes no sense here. I think the Cardinals make for a very easy team to fade. Twenty three percent ownership that we have on Luis Castillo because you know it, it's obviously I, I wonder if someone is looking to build a lineup. Let's just say maybe they're a single entry player. And all of a sudden they're going through and they see Luis Castillo, 9,800, but he's one in five. Like I look at that, I go, I wonder like, is that something we can leverage for ourselves? 
the price tag just too it, it, it's just too steep for me and then like you said the projected ownership at 24 percent that's pretty high for a guy who's expensive in a in a not easy matchup the the cardinals had a decent offense this year and the other thing too is just i mean there's other pitchers that are that are up there like we we have maeda and bieber assuming the weather's okay there we have giolito who i much prefer to to castillo in this matchup so there's just other guys that i have ahead of them i I don't think Castillo is going to be in my player pool. If he is in my player pool, then it means there's probably a weather concern that ends up being holding through to lock. And even if he is, like, I can't imagine I'm going to roster more than like 8% or something like that of Castillo. In terms of, uh, you know, are you, are you going to target either bat either side of the bats in this game in terms of stacks? Certainly not the Cardinals for their price. I, I don't mind the, some of the lefties on, the Reds. Uh, one thing that's weird about the Cardinals' price is not only are the batters really expensive, Adam Wainwright's 8,800 on DraftKings, so that's equally ridiculous. Uh, I think the lefties have a decent chance to get to him. Uh, Joey Votto at 3,900. I understand he hasn't been great this year, but still 3,900 at the top of the order in a what I assume is going to be a pretty easy match against Adam Wainwright. That's viable. Jesse Winker's had a great year, 3,500. Winker's a guy who just has been priced up really at all this year on DraftKings, and he always makes sense against weaker right-handed pitchers because Jesse Winker has, uh, what is he, a, a dozen home runs for you? He's he's close to the league lead in home runs. So I think that he's somebody with a ton of upside for his price tag. He's going to be one of my favorite one-off plays on the slate. Yeah, just looking over on the FanDuel side of things and ownership, uh, Castillo just about 13% ownership, and Adam Wainwright. Very low. Uh Bring him up here. Am I just not seeing him? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, as eighty seven hundred, you know, Fanduel. When you talk about a one pitcher slate, because you have to imagine that everyone's going to look at those top three. Obviously, we're going to see about the weather concerns with, with um, and then that could. I mean, if yeah, if there's some reason Cleveland, Minnesota doesn't happen tonight, Lucas's ownership on Fanduel is going to be insane. Yeah, and and same on DraftKings. I think. Uh, I think because the other thing too with, with Giolito is even though he's expensive, I mean, there's cheaper pitchers to like tonight. Um, like I, I've mentioned Kikuchi. Uh, Caleb Smith is going to be a viable option also tonight on DraftKings at 5,900. So it, it looks like it's going to be viable. Like you can make five man. I've actually, I've actually made it also on DraftKings. You can make five, three, four, four stacks of just the Coors Field game with players from both sides with Kikuchi and Giolito as the starting pitchers and it fits together. So just for that reason, I think that especially if if those high end guys, if if uh, Maeda and Bieber don't become viable options, then Giolito because he's he could just fit into lineups with anybody because there's cheap enough SP twos. Then yeah, I mean we could see a situation where he's like sixty five percent or something like that. Yeah, that's where for our premium members, if you have Fancy Cruncher as a part of your account, that's where I, I love. That's how I love to use Fancy Cruncher and MLB. Is like, let me start kind of figure out some pitching combinations, and then let me see what I can fit in. And sometimes you might be surprised what you can fit into your roster. Yeah, uh, for for sure, and and it also it always depends on w just what cheap starting pitchers are available. That's that's what so many of the slates come down to is is there a cheap starting pitcher that has legitimate upside? And then is there a course field game or not? And then how do the pieces fit together? And for today, it looks like you could get pretty easily uh, an ace, a cheap starting pitcher, and then a course field stack. So this is especially because there's one particular bat in course field that we'll talk about later. Who's just grossly mispriced. Well, that's the game we got next here. Coors field, uh, the angels and the Rockies Marquez on the mound for the Rockies 
and Canning on the Hill for the Angels. So, uh, obviously, this is going to be a game that everyone's going to be looking at stacking. And, of course, obviously, it comes down to pricing of, you know, how, how you're going to fit these into your rosters. Uh, so let's let's get right into the bats. I mean, obviously, not not exactly a game where you're going to look at the pitching. So let's let's talk about the bats here, man. Break it down for us. All right, so the first thing we have to talk about is uh, David Dahl, who's projected for like 160% ownership or something ridiculous <laughs> like that because the, the Rockies have by far the highest implied run total this late. Uh, Griffin Canning was really good last year. He's dealing with an elbow injury, and he's pitching through it, and the, the early indications seem to be that he shouldn't be pitching through it because he's not performing well and his velocity's down. So it's really weird to me that the Angels are taking one of the top young pitchers in the organization They've already, diagnosed, they've already diagnosed him with a UCL injury. And they're just saying, like, hey, we don't think it needs surgery right now, so we're just going to let him pitch through it. And then it's like he's not pitching well. The velocity's down. It's I just don't understand why he's out on the mound. But as long as this is the case, we're probably going to want to roster batters against him more often than not, especially at Coors Field. And then the uh, guy I was alluding to before, so David Dahl hasn't played since August 17th was the last time that he was in the lineup. He's been dealing with a back injury but he was reinstated from the injured list. And I assume he's going to be in the lineup because of that. The pricing algorithm is not caught up. So 2,800 for David Dahl is going to make him just the highest owned uh, batter on the slate by far, maybe even the highest owned batter we've seen on any slate outside of, you know, like a two or three game slate or something for, for a full slate. As long as David Dahl is in the lineup, he's definitely going to be the, the chalkiest bat we've seen. And it's hard to argue with it, right? The, the Rockies have like a six and a half implied run total. David Dahl is really cheap. We need some value bats. He makes a ton of sense. Um, I'm not going to lock him in or anything like that because I don't think it makes sense to go like 100% on any one hitter if you're playing a ton of lineups because there's so much variance with the offense. But I think it makes sense to go even with the field with Dahl and get something, you know, like 35 to 40% or whatever he ends up being because it's just such an outrageous value play for a hitter. Yeah, twenty eight hundred on DK, three thousand on FanDuel. Yeah, I mean everyone's gonna pop them in their in their lineup, and that's something that as the day goes on, we just kind of kind of watch of you know what is that ownership way, and then you know when you when you're doing your crunches and you're putting your lineup, see you see what that crunches are coming out. Make sure to kind of you know how how much exposure do you want to him? I think is is really the big question if if you're playing 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 and up lineups. Yeah, for me, it's just going to probably be whatever ends up, uh, whatever, the, whatever the field ends up being. And then the other thing, too, is, I mean, you look at the Rockies lineup, there's other hitters that are fairly cheap. Uh, outside of, we, we have the big three for them who are all expensive, Story Blackman and Arenado. But outside of them, I mean, Toppy is 3,700. He's been a viable fantasy option leading off. Uh, Kevin Plars 3,800. Matt Kemp is 3,600. Now, of those three, it stands to reason one of them is not going to be in the lineup if David Dahl is in the lineup. Uh, so that's kind of be seen. My gut feeling is that it's probably going to be Kemp who gets left out of the lineup, but that's just a guess right now. Uh, and then he moved down the lineup. Ryan McMahon, he is some power upside. He's only 3,900. So I think it makes a whole lot of sense that you could roster, you know, one or two of the story Blackman, Arenado, and then you stack the rest of the Colorado bats and you have enough leftover salary to go with uh, Giolito and then one of the cheap pitchers. What about an angel stack? Yeah, so I like the Angels too. I just don't like them quite as much as the as the Rockies, mostly because I think Herman Marquez is a much better pitcher than Griffin Canning. Uh, Marquez has had his struggles at Coors Field at times, but he also has really good stuff. So we've seen him find success in Denver from time to time. Uh, still, I think you look at, I mean, how to get away from Mike Trout at Coors Field, right? If, if you could only pay up for one bat on this entire slate, 
to me, Trout would be the guy. Uh, he's is he in the league lead for home runs now? If not, he's I believe he's so. Second. I, I believe yeah. I saw it last night. Sixteen. Uh, so Trout. I mean, you put Trout, who's probably the best player in baseball, the league leader in home runs right now. Put him in Coors Field. It, it's pretty obvious that if that you could pay up for him if you find the salary. Um, other Angels hitters that I think make some sense. If you want to take Joe Adele as a one-off, he's. 2500 on DraftKings, and he's a guy boomer bust option but a ton of power upside and i think you just put a power bat young power bat one of the top hitting prospects in baseball in Coors field i think he has a chance to hit a home run maybe even two in this spot and he never has that much ownership but he's somebody who i think is like a plug-in who's gonna have like one to two percent ownership that has has home run upside and is worth rostering for that yeah, I just did a started a dummy crunch, putting no, no, no factors into it, no exposures, absolutely nothing at all, and uh, yeah, it is filled with Angels and Rockies. Yeah, that's it, it, it's weird because outside of those top bats, the other guys are so cheap, and we see a lot where Coors Field, even though some of these peripheral hitters maybe aren't great, like we'll just see guys like Ryan McMahon or you know, like Walsh on the Angels, like those guys will just get priced up usually like 47 or 4,800 just because it's Coors Field and everybody gets priced up. And for some reason, that's just not the case tonight. Yeah, just kind of looking at uh, a lot of Mike Trout, obviously a lot of David Dahl. Um, a guy we'll talk about a little bit, I think could be interesting, Caleb Smith on the mound for the D-backs first, you know, making his D-backs debut after COVID. So that's, uh, but yeah, it is uh, a lot of Rockies. Um, Kevin Pillar coming up. Uh, a lot uh, in in, uh, in lineups as well. Yeah, only thirty eight hundred. He makes a lot of sense on DraftKings. Um, I guess just the real question, like I said before, is is if Dahl's in the lineup, who le- who who loses out on their starting spot? I, I said I think it's probably going to be Matt Kemp. I think it's probably going to be Platoon. I'm assuming that going forward, Kemp is going to be in the lineup against left-handed pitching, and David Dahl is going to be in the lineup against right-handed pitching. And then uh, one of them's going to get injured in about two weeks, and then and then they'll have to play every day. Would you agree with uh, what Three Run Shot had to say that the Angels uh, are just too cheap in course? Oh, 100%. And, and the same goes for the Rockies also. Uh, I, I just I slightly prefer the Rockies side of the game, but both of them are, are much too cheap. They're going to be popular, uh, but for good reason. And just because of the price tags, there's not some crazy opportunity cost like there usually is with stacking course field. So with that said, I, I think it makes a ton of sense for the Rockies and Angels to be the, the top two teams that I'm going to target tonight. Uh, next up, we have got the Giants and the Padres. Garrett Richards going for the pods. Johnny Cueto on the mound for the Giants. Uh, yeah, I, I don't mind Garrett Richards in this spot. A 7,500. Let me see where his... Uh, he's only projected for 4% ownership. If that if that ends up holding the case through lock, then I'm going to like Garrett Richards a decent amount. So Richards is a guy who's always been really good when healthy. Uh, the issue is that he's almost never healthy. And he's working his way back from what feels like his eighth surgery or something like that. But he's been on limited pitches for most of the season. But last time out, 83 pitches, nine strikeouts against the A's. So it was in a fairly tough matchup, made it through seven innings. If he's going to pretty regularly throw, you know, 80 to 90 pitches going forward and be able to work seven, six innings or something like that, I think there's a decent amount of upside in Richards. And that's especially true when he's going up against the Giants, who don't have a great offense against right-handed pitching, and also that only 7,500 for for Richards. So if he's a guy who's really going overlooked, and this holds true to where he's only going to be 3% owned coming up to lock, then Richards is going to be one of the contrarian pitchers I I like for this slate. 
Yeah, Richard's uh, $27 over at Yahoo. Of course, they are the sponsor of this show. You got to check out Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. They do include CSV upload and CSV edit features when you're looking to play those multiple lines, make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Uh, in terms of the bats on the Padre side, you mentioned about not liking uh, the Giants um, because of going to right hand pitcher here. Outside of Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado, what do you like on the Padres? Yeah, it's hard to really find individual guys. I like just because they've been so ridiculously good lately. Right? They've scored like double-digit runs in what feels like every other night for the last three weeks. So they're pretty expensive outside of those guys. And there's other spots I prefer to pay up. Like peripheral bats for the Padres are more expensive than the peripheral bats for the Angels or for the Rockies. So I think it makes more sense to go to some of those guys, you know, like like a David Dahl or uh, Rymel Tapia. Those bats to me just make for better value plays than guys like Will Myers or, or Jake Cronensworth who, who are slightly more expensive and just in a tougher matchup and obviously not playing at Coors Field. Uh, final game of the night is going to be the Mariners and the Diamondbacks. This is one that uh, me and Adam last night spent a little bit of time on uh, in terms of the pitching matchup because kind of feeling like both these pitchers could be popular pitchers, both uh, you know value options when, you, when you're looking to save some money in terms of uh, of salary relief, uh, Kayla Smith uh, getting it, the debut for the Diamondbacks under his COVID issues. And, of course, Kikuchi, we, we've talked about him. Uh, you know, there's value on both sides of this equation in terms of pitching and salary. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I find it really odd that Kikuchi's only projected for 3% ownership right now. Like, there's just no way that's going to be the case later in the day. There's a course field yeah. game. People are going to be looking for value. And Kikuchi, if I remember correctly, his last start against the Rangers, he was – pretty popular that slate so i assume that's going to be the case again kikuchi's overall numbers for this year aren't overwhelming however you look at the peripheral stats and they're really really strong kikuchi does a 5.23 ra but a 2.79 fip a 3.09 xfip he's striking out 9.87 hitters per nine innings so the reason that his era is so much higher than the peripheral stats a 55 percent left on base percentage that is definitely going to go down Kikuchi changed his delivery in the offseason, and it's had a massive impact. If you look at his velocity numbers, it's like it's a different pitcher. His velocity is so far increased over what it was a year ago. He's gone from going from throwing 92 miles per hour with his fastball to 95 miles per hour. And then you look at all his breaking pitches also, and all of those are up like four to five miles per hour from last year also. So Kikuchi, I think we just – any of his numbers from last year where he gave up a million home runs and basically couldn't get anybody out – uh, throw those in the garbage. He's a totally different pitcher. Way more strikeouts now. Walks are down. He he looks like a really legitimate, like top end starting pitcher in baseball. And really, the other reason that his uh, ERA is a little bit inflated, he's also had really difficult matchups. Like he's pitched against the Dodgers, he's pitched against the A's. Uh, this is not nearly a difficult matchup. The the Diamondbacks have one of the worst offenses in baseball. So Kikuchi at sixty two hundred per dollar is my favorite pitcher on the slate. I can see both of these pitchers being a popular SP two. When you're looking oh, to, to take take up, you know, you know, Lucas or, or Shane or, you know, one of those guys. To me, I, I think the ownership's going to be fairly significant on both these guys. And, and look, I mean, and, and if you want to take two cheaper pitchers today, take one of these guys. I, I would probably favor Kikuchi more than I would uh, Caleb in this spot. But if you wanted to take, say, one of these guys, and you know, let's say you wanted to take, um, maybe it's it's like a Garrett Richards at seventy five hundred. Go, go load up on, on your Rockies and, and Angel stacks. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I also, I agree with you. I prefer Kikuchi to Caleb Smith. Here's the issue with Smith. Um, like you mentioned, 
com- coming off the COVID suspension. So he hasn't made a start since July 25th, and he only threw 70 pitches in that start. So I, I have pretty big concerns about his workload tonight, and I, I don't really think there's a way we're going to know how many pitches he's going to throw until he comes out of the game, and they'll be like, oh, this is how many pitches he has. And it, it wouldn't surprise me either way. If Caleb Smith throws 90 pitches, I wouldn't be surprised. If he throws 50 pitches, I wouldn't really be surprised by that either. So I'm going to have Caleb Smith in my player pool because of the upside. It's a plus matchup. He's only 5,900. And he's somebody in the past who's been a good fantasy pitcher, even though he's given up runs at times. I mean, for the Marlins last year, 9.86 strikeouts per nine innings. Two years ago, 10.24 strikeouts per nine innings. So if he's somebody who's on and he's going to get a full workload, then he's just way too cheap in this matchup at 5,900. The question is just he comes with the risk of he hasn't pitched in, you know, almost two months. And he's coming off a COVID suspension, I mean, yeah. or whatever we're going to call it, COVID injury list designation. It, it just it adds a lot of uncertainty, right? We, we there's there's a lot of question marks here we don't know, and hopefully some news comes out about his pitch count later in the day that'll make it a little clearer for us. Uh, if not, I'm going to say I'll, I'll probably have like 15 to 20 percent exposure to him, and then I'll adjust that up or down depending on how confident I am in his pitch count later in the day. One of the comments we got uh, is from Three Run Shot. He says, Seattle, Arizona, game stack for the leverage play. Uh, let's see. What do what do some of the projection numbers look like? Um, so if looking at our top stack tool, uh, Arizona, uh, ownership-wise, they would be the fourth highest. Uh, so that, not really a lot of uh, not really a lot of leverage then if they're expected to be really chalky. Uh, I also I just think Kikuchi is really good, so I, I don't I don't want to stack against him. And the public sentiment doesn't seem to quite be there yet with Kikuchi with how good he might be. So if I'm gonna make one stack it it from this game, I prefer the Mariner side just because we have those question marks about Caleb Smith, right? So it's been so yeah. long since he pitched, we don't know what his pitch count's gonna be. He could look good. He could look bad. There's no way. No, we haven't seen him pitch in a major league game for two months. So just because of that, with the unknown factor, I, I think that the Mariners make a little bit more sense than than the uh, than the Diamondback side of the game because Caleb Smith, he, he could be good tonight. He could be bad, uh, but something has to give because the Mariners also don't really have a particularly great offense. And either they're going to hit or Caleb Smith's going to shut them down. And I think a lot of it's going to come to just what form Smith's in after the long layoff. And we should note the price difference uh, for Kikuchi on DraftKings as opposed to FanDuel. FanDuel, he's seventy nine hundred as opposed to sixty two hundred on DraftKings. And even the even the seventy nine hundred price tag, I mean, I don't think we need to consider him on FanDuel just because we only need to roster one pitcher, and there's a lot of high end pitchers that are worth considering on FanDuel. But even at seventy nine hundred, I don't think that's a terrible price tag for Kikuchi. Like if he was seventy nine hundred on DraftKings, I, I would still love him at that salary. So outside of Kikuchi, who who do you like as a value pitcher today? If he if he's number one, who's number two for you? Uh, I mean, Caleb Smith, I think is an okay option. Um, I like Garrett Richards at seventy five hundred. Uh, that that's probably the guy who overall is going to be my number two. Uh, Richards just always been a guy who who I've liked his stuff and I've liked his upside a lot. It's just that he's hurt so often. But since he pitched really well last start and it seemed like the pitch restriction was off, he made it through seven innings against the A's in a tough matchup. I, I think that he makes sense going up against the Giants. Is Castillo the pitcher you would say, like, you know, he's just the guy just would be the number one overpriced option today? Uh, let's see. who. who uh, well, the most overpriced has to be Adam Wainwright at 8,800. Mm-hmm. Um, Castillo, amongst guys who I think would be worth considering, is is the one who... 
he's the one worth considering that's the worst option, if that makes sense. Like, if I look at the high-end guys, and it's like, all right, I'm going to have Bieber, Giolito, Castillo, and um, and who did I miss out? Uh, and so it's Bieber, Giolito, Castillo, and, and Maeda. If I'm going to have those four guys in my player pool on the high end, I, I think that uh, Castillo makes the least sense of those options. You know, looking at some... Uh High ownership of, of value bets tonight. We mentioned about uh, you know David Dahl, um, Matt Thais also in that game for for the Angels twenty seven hundred third base and outfield uh, eligibility. Uh, Justin Upton twenty nine hundred another value bet. Uh, Dalton the uh, catcher for for the D backs twenty two percent ownership. Um, you know is is there some some value bets that maybe is not high ownership that. You know, you're kind of trying to see how it plays out throughout the day. Uh, let's see. Let me bring up some of the ownership right now, just so I have a better idea. Because it's hard to sometimes know all the. I mean, there's so many hitters; it's hard to always yeah. be up to date with with all the ownership. Well, and that and the ownership came out like three minutes before we started the show. Um, so let's see. Uh, bring him, bring him up. Um, also, I think if we're looking just for pure leverage, I mean, we talked about how if Caleb Smith's actually going to be chalky and we have all this uncertainty about him, I think Dylan Moore at 3,600, Ty France at 3,800. Those are a couple of individual bats for the Mariners that I think make some sense for leverage. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I have the ownership up now. So it's kind of surprising how, how uh, popular Otani's expected to be tonight. Um, he's expected to be the high, the second highest owned uh, hitter on the slate behind David Dahl. Um, I mean, it makes some sense, but still 4,400 for Otani. It's not like he's been that good on offense this year. I think there are some other cheaper bats relative to price that I like a little bit more on the, uh, on the angel side of the game. Um, I think uh, Luis Torin, if he's going to start a catcher for the Mariners, that's another one who I think just makes for a, a decent amount of leverage. And that spot of Caleb Smith's going to be popular. Uh, I think, I think that is the team that makes us the best leverage stack mm-hmm. overall. Is the is the Mariners? Um, and yeah, I think I think that's it. Those are the guys I'll be looking at. Of course, uh, don't forget to come up here today at 7 p.m. Eastern time. It will be MLB Live before lock. I'll be joined by Jeff and Terry to break it down for the leading you up to the main slate at 8.05 Eastern time. Of course, we've got a ton of shows today here at awesomeo.com. we got uh, NFL shows, NBA Live before lock. So keep it here locked all day long to help you out build those lineups and help you win some money tonight. And, of course, uh, be sure to sign up for a weekly pass over at awesomeo.com, awesomeo.com slash join to sign up for an MLB weekly pass for $15.95. So that's going to do it for this edition of the MLB Strategy Show right here on awesome.com. Awesome.